0: I actually do rather enjoy this episode, even though it kind of falls apart at the end. Which I suppose I'll talk about when we get there. It's just, yeah, this this actually worked pretty well for me. I would actually go so far as to say this is probably the best episode in Season 7 so far. That's not saying much, but there it is. <clears throat> do you know the scene with Data attacking Troy with the knife is actually censored in Britain, in the United United Kingdom? In fact, to my knowledge, that's not only was censored at original launch, it was still censored on re- re-showings. I'm curious if anyone can clarify if that is still censored to this day. I'm actually kind of curious. <clears throat> so, Dreams. A little overt, but, you know, I'm with it. I'm with it. Picard. <laughs> there's this really great bit where Picard is stuck. is like, oh, God, I have to go to this meeting. This, this banquet. All these admirals. Oh, the terrible food and bad conversation. I just picture Geralt in the background going, uh-huh. Why is the food bad? This is the Federation. They have the ability to make the food whatever the hell they want to. Why is the food bad? <laughs> and for that matter, why is the meeting bad? Uh, anybody who's ever worked in an office space can probably is probably going to be nodding their heads at what I'm about to say. There's two kinds of meetings, really, when it comes to, like, office work. There's meetings that are boring, dull wastes of time, and there's meetings where actual productive work is done. Because sometimes you need to get together and hash things out as a team. And I've had meetings like that, and they're awesome. And then there's the other meetings, where you're just kind of like... You'd think that with the admiralty involved, they would try to go for the former, not the latter. Is this just, like, something that's expected... Is it designed to be boring? Why is this thing that's allowed in the Federation? I'm just curious about this, because most of the reasons we have those boring dull meetings is because it's people trying to justify their jobs or because of bad management. And you'd like... I mean, I'd like to think the Federation's passed those two points, but, I mean, here we are. By the way, did you notice it was Admiral Nakamura... That was a nice touch. We haven't seen him in a long time, but they actually got the same actor for it and everything. He was back in Measure of a Man. He'll also be mentioned over in All Good Things, I think. I don't remember if he's seen there, but I know he's at least mentioned there. Just nice little touch there I just wanted to comment on. Anyways, so <laughs> Ensign Tyler shows up, and Geordi finally has someone who's pining after him, and he has no interest in her. Come on, Jordy. I mean, we know he ends up with Ms. Brahm, so sure, whatever. It's just, come on, dude. <laughs> um, now, there's also a nice little bit where Data offers to be, to be an impartial third-party person to, to assist with all of the problems that are going on between Jordy and Tyler. This is pure headcanon, but I like to think Data does that often, the third impartial observer in romantic entanglements. No, I really do. Like, not maybe not to the full end of Matchmaker, but he probably is a go-between more often than not. And before you th- say, where the hell is that coming from? Ignoring the obvious benefit of having someone like Data be the in-between, there's also the fact that he's already done this. O'Brien and Keiko, remember? Data's Day? Like, that's how the two of them met was because of Data. So, <clears throat> anyways, just food for thought. So... Um, he, he, they comment on uh, the difference between nightmares and dreams early on. Now, we tend to... I say we. Most people I know, including myself, have a bad habit of distinguishing nightmares and dreams as if they're separate things. They're not. A nightmare is simply an interpretation of a dream that we find to be negative, whereas a dream is the business of your mind. Now, I do have to admit that because of the nature of reality... You know, maybe in 10 years people will be laughing at my explanation here, but from my current understanding of things, which may be incredibly wrong, asterisk, spoiler plate, asteri- asterisk, a dream is what ha- was your mind just processing whatever's left over at the end of the night. It's not always something that's that you've been thinking about a lot, it's just whatever your mind hasn't finished digesting, to put it into simplistic terminology. Now, if you focus on one thing a whole lot, yeah, it's probably going to do that. I'll go ahead and tell you flat out, this past two weeks, while I have been cramming TNG episodes, I've been dreaming about Star Trek every single night. Not in a pleasant way, by the way. Actually, it, it has been very close to nightmare status. I'm not complaining. I love my job. But just giving you an idea of what I'm talking about, if you really end up focusing on something a lot, that tends to happen, right? Um, Usually when I do long-scale, like lore runs, for example, the same thing tends to happen. My mind keeps going with the game, because my mind is spending so much of its processing power working on analyzing and discussing the game for the stream. So, you know, that kind of a thing. Now, I mention all this, though. It's so easy to see why some what what is determined to be a nightmare is dependent on the individual. Like, we think nightmare, and we think dark, death, pain, blood. I'm not going to tell you any of my nightmares. Nobody cares, anyways. But I bet you money that several of you out there have a similar experience to me. Where something that is actually fairly mundane and normal is a nightmare because of how much it affects you. Or what it means to you. Right? The idea of it is what actually turns it into a nightmare. It's not just disturbing imagery in its own right. Now, Braga has stated on record, he's the concept guy, of course. He he stated on record that he really wanted to go with deliberately disturbing imagery for this episode. Which makes a degree of sense. But disturbing imagery does not a nightmare make. Not necessarily. Now, I, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, so they dream. Okay. Why is he dreaming right now? The second time? Remember, the ship just shut down and LaForge is like, ah, I might be able to get this working in a couple hours. Why is Data not helping with that? He wanders off watches spot dream has a chat with Troy and then activates his dream protocol why why are all hands not on deck for this honest question (laughs) so then he oversleeps this is never explained either this actually irritates me a little bit they never even bother to explain this the closest thing to an explanation is the posit that is to say the theory that maybe this is something that soon deliberately designed in which case thanks dad (laughs) exactly what I wanted and that's about as good as we've got here. Because it's not like these nightmares are actually nightmares. They're not. It's just his brain interpreting... His brain. His, his circuits interpreting information that he knows that he is not cognizant of knowing. Which, by the way, also doesn't make a lot of sense. But because it, an android doesn't have a subconscious. We have some conscious. Uh, we, it, you ever try to work on a puzzle and you fix it and solve it almost immediately because you're deliberately not thinking about it? It's because there is a lot of evidence to suggest that your subconscious mind is basically, for lack of a better way to put it, smarter than your conscious mind. And the distinction between the two is something that's barely understood even right now. And let's be honest, probably won't be understood within my lifetime. Not this lifetime, anyways. Next one, sure, we'll figure it out by then. But, you know, that's in the past anyway, so let's not get into the time loop things. The point being, I'm sorry, I keep doing those jokes. Those are jokes. I just want to make that clear. I actually had one person say, oh, my God, he's crazy. He th- no, it, it's just a joke. That's all it is. So why is he over- I don't know. So then they go to Freud. Speaking of psychoanalysis, speaking of this whole topic, I've actually studied Freud. I have actually gone to school for psychology and psychiatry both. And um, I've decided after some thought, I'm not going to share my thoughts on Freud, It's pretty obvious the reason they put him in the episode was because they wanted the most recognizable guy, rather than Jung, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, who honestly is actually better at fit for this episode. But they needed someone who the regular populace would recognize, and Sigmund Freud is practically a household name, mostly for the jokes, but still, he's someone you could recognize immediately, so they went with that. Okay, sure. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, (sighs) so then he starts daydreaming, Uh, Okay. Um, How does that even begin to work? The only way for any of this to make sense is if you presume there is a a series of sub-processes within Data's mind that basically have a sense of urgency. And normally just do their thing. But since they detect immediate danger, they basically take over the consciousness and force it into action. You'll notice his stabbing of Troy is what actually leads them directly to solving the mystery. Speaking of which, real quick. There's a filler. So, Troy is like, I sense something. And she's all jumpy and scared. Why? There's nothing to sense. There's nothing to detect here. Why would she just randomly get jumpy walking through the corridors of the ship? That actually makes no sense. And every time I see it, I go, what? In fact, there's actually several parts of this episode that make no sense. They don't interact with us physically, but they drain our cells like leeches. Sure. Anyways. Moving on. Cloud effect. Timescape effect. All these Braga episodes, they make no damn sense and they're very entertaining. What the hell? At least... Some of them are. We still have Genesis coming up. Anyways. So, before I go forward, Picard has this great scene where he's really anxious down in the engineering room. And I'm totally with that. I know what you're thinking. Wait, why would Picard do that? He knows that he can't really contribute to this situation. No, but he wants to work. Odd question. And I know most of you are going to look at me like I'm crazy here, but I do have an odd question. How many of you have ever been in, like, the mood or mode or mindset to get a job done, whether it's for yourself, you know, something around the house maybe, or maybe it's actually for work, or maybe it's for a friend, whatever, hobby, something. And you can't. You had it all planned out, you had it scheduled out, you can't for whatever reason. The tool isn't there, the equipment isn't there, the system's shut down, right? And then you're just left going, huh, this isn't a workaholic thing, this is more of a... You were all geared up and ready to work, and now you can't. And so you're just like, huh, well, I guess I'll take the day off, because I don't know what else to do, right? That's kind of where Picard's at right now. He just wants to do something, because he's on shift, on duty, and he wants to do his job, and he can't. So he's just, maybe maybe I could do that no. um, you now. I, I, I completely sympathize with Picard on that one. Now, this leads to a really good scene. Um, I've heard someone else describe this scene as good filler, but with the advantage of hindsight, I'm not sure I agree. Now, it was actually filler. The episode was running short, and they needed a few extra seconds, so they have this scene where Riker and Worf are walking down the corridor talking about Riker having introduced Alexander to Jazz. It's a good scene. It's continuity. It's character-focused. It, it, it's, it's something other than just bland filler, Right. So it's good filler. Okay, I am with that. I'll talk more about why I don't think it quite qualifies in just a second. But then they come in and Troy's there. and Oh, my God. And then <laughs> I see them start to overpower data. And my first thought is, what? Overpower data? But then you could see very quickly data's actually come out of it. And it's like, oh, what am I doing? So he's no longer stopping them. So that makes sense. So a couple of nice touches happen in quick succession. Um, when they're talking in the meeting room, there are... Three security guards flanking Data, armed, openly armed security guards. One of which is Worf. Nice touch. They don't even comment on it. It's just they're there. Little touches like that I tend to appreciate in episodes like this. And they discuss the whole thing, and Data's like, "Ah, I, I don't know what's going on." Then, the very next scene shows that Data was onto something very important. I've talked before about how much I hate Cassandra truths. And I hate them even more when it's an established character and there's obviously something going on. Uh, It's one of the things I hated most about Interface just a few episodes ago. But here, they completely bypass the problem. The next scene, they reveal that Data was onto something. Very next scene. Awesome. Good job. This also then leads to an interesting scene where Spot, who is a male, by the way, that'll come up later, by the way, so just... Spot's a guy at the moment. Anyways, so Spot's there. (laughs) And Doran's holding him in this really awkward way. I felt bad for the... If you notice, the cat's, like, straining against his grip the entire scene. I wonder how many takes that took. I mean, that's a pretty chill cat, but the cat's still, like, (laughs) the whole time. And that's... I gotta admit, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. And he's a good cat. And he's a pretty cat. And... I will feed him. <laughs> That's awesome. It also shows something that I've talked about since season two, I think. That Data may not have emotions, but that doesn't mean he has value. doesn't have valuation. The fact that spot equals something beneficial. Something that he cares about. Caring is not actually an emotion. It just means you value something higher or lower than something else. So it makes perfect sense that he would actually value a pet, value Spot in particular, and think so positively of them. I've actually always kind of liked the idea that Data has a pet. It just kind of fits with his character in a way I don't know how to explain. So, they go to the holodeck, and they start using the dreams on the holodeck, which is a very cool idea, by the way. I kind of wish they did more with this. Um, Braga mentioned that he wanted to do at least a couple more holodeck stories before the end of the series. This led to... Uh, Emergence is the name of the episode. I had to think about that one for a sec. Which, by memory, is a pretty dumb episode. But, I mean, this would be a cool way to kind of continue that concept. But, anyways. So, Picard recognizes the telephone sound, naturally. And then Freud shows up and analyzes himself. Okay, you got me with that one episode. That's pretty neat. And then the episode suddenly turns into an episode of Voyager. This is the... uh, I I, I have two flaws with this episode, and this is one of them. The last, like, ten minutes of the episode is just them explaining everything they've already shown us. The whole episode has built up to this point and has established everything, and then on the off chance you fell asleep for the last 30 minutes or have no brain, they decide to explain everything in excruciating detail. That is a very Voyager problem. Voyager actually did that a lot, especially early on where they would just have entire scenes with the characters explaining what's going on to the audience. And I always hated that in Voyager. I'm actually curious how many of you out there are with me when I just keep comparing Season 7 to Voyager. Early Voyager. I have to keep clarifying. Because it really does have that vibe and feel of early Voyager. I don't know how else to describe it. DS9 never had that vibe. Different staff, different teams, different uh, approach. But... God, it's just, what in the hell? Anyways, so they explain the hell out of everything. And that leads to the other big problem of the episode. So these things were eating their cellular peptides, which actually aren't called that, but I forget the full name, so it doesn't matter. The things that hold stuff together. Okay, cool, I'm with that, I'm with that. That's horrifying. These, They mentioned it's accelerating. How slow was this process going to be? How long was it going to take before they goop How aware were they going to be of the fact that they are gooping? That is an actually legitimately terrible, just absolutely horrifying death. That wouldn't be out of place on system shock, for God's sakes. And they were just, there's just these random parasites that if not for data, they never would have detected. The entire crew of the enterprise would have died horribly along with whoever comes to investigate the dead ship because these things infect and spread, remember. This is just This is actually nightmarish. This is straight up Lovecraftian horror, and it's all because there happens to be parasites that happen to jump on a conduit, which is made in a very specific manner on one planet. This is messed, (laughs) and in my opinion, it's the biggest flaw of the episode. I know that sounds strange, and I know I've talked against the threat of the week for a long time. This is season seven. You have the opportunity to do things differently. You will continue to break all the rules across Season 7 for good and for bad. You already did that with the Gambit duo. Why not not have a threat of the week? Just eject the idea. Entirely. For once, don't have it in it present at all. Restructure the episode to be, here's a day in the life of the Enterprise. Now... I imagine there would be people who would find that boring. And that's valid. I'm actually curious how many of you would find that boring. But for me, I would find that engaging. Especially since it gives us context for the other episodes. It gives us a slice of life. I like slice of life episodes. And, well, if you're paying attention, I kept pointing out throughout this rumination all the little sle- scenes that were exactly that. Picard worried, cause, you know, just pacing because he couldn't work um Tyler who is now crushing on Geordie, the whole banquet thing and oh god I have to go to these admiral things uh data oversleeping which aside from the threat of the episode is actually a fairly minor thing and a development of his personality and characteristics um the uh the wharf uh, jazz alexander bit there are several several scenes in this which all, all have the the style and approach of slice of life episode which almost get interrupted by the, the dark dreams. Now, don't mistake me. I do like the dark dream plot. I do. I, I, I'm with it. And I do think this is a good episode, and I do enjoy it, not counting the Voyager bit at the end. But I feel like they could have really pushed this into something even more interesting than they did, rather than we're all going to get goopified. That is just... What is this, Ant-Man? Anyways. As always, curious if your thoughts on this point, and how many of you disagree with me,